Dave. Hey, y'all. Welcome to 12 Questions. What? This is Anna Valenzuela, and um, I don't know. I'm sure everyone's nervous. We're recording on Inauguration Week right now. It's pretty crazy. I made a go bag for myself and my cat. So I feel like I'm ready for anything. Uh, do I have karate weapons? I do. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, I'm super excited to have this conversation. So I won't be thinking about whatever could happen uh, for for the next hour or so. I'm really excited. And I'm very excited to see my co host, Mr. Dave Yates. Hello, everybody. I think nothing's going to change. So I have no go bag and I'm continuing on business as usual. Yeah. I mean, Dave, you are the you, I've got hot sauce. I've got hot sauce. I got plenty of hot sauce. If the world ends, I'll shill it on the street corner, which is no different from now, and I will make my way. People will pay me in other foods to maintain sustenance, and I'll get through it. And it'll taste great because of that ha-ha hot sauce. And frankly, Dave, you were the yin to my yang, so I, I expected uh, boy. nothing less but placid calm in these times. Am I, am I the Andrew to your yang? Yes, you are the Andrew to my yang. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, but can you read us that clarity statement? Had a feeling you were going to ask for that. Yeah, I can do that. Welcome to 12 Questions. We're a podcast where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AANA or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview people about their own life experiences. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and each other. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so excited for today's guest. I remember when I first started stand-up uh, in the, the Long Beach, Orange County area, when this person would come around to our sort of like crazy mic called Anchor Bar that was like, I don't know, 200 years long. Um, people would like tell me, go in and watch her because she's so amazing. And as I've gotten to know her, I'm like, what a beautiful adult, lovely human. And I'm just so excited to have this conversation. Who are we speaking with today? Me? It's me, Katie French. <laughs> Katie French! Hey, it's Katie French. I wish... That was such a lovely um, intro. I can't yeah, I believe do. how nice that was. I do my best, you know. What's the point of having comedy crushes if you don't tell people about them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, gotta, that means a gotta, lot. Because I know that, um, like, OC, there were not many chicks. And especially not... <laughs> what, what year did you start? 2014. Okay, yeah. I was uh, 2010. So, like, I feel like... I will say this, like when it was me, it was like me, three, four people like Olivia Grace and then um, Robin Tran. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> we we had a lot of, you know, a lot of all five girls, um, but you know, it's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be yeah and and very rarely with the numbers now there's even more women and ver but very rarely with the numbers we would ever see each other because it would always exactly. be like one per lineup it spread us out Absolutely. so um, it kept us apart 
kept us apart. So I'm so excited to have you here in these crazy times. How are you holding up? I am. I'm okay. I um. I feel like, and we'll like get into. It's kind of related to the questions, but um, I am just depressively detached. I guess. Like. Okay. I don't have the ups and downs that I feel. I'm, that's not true. I mean, Monday I wanted to not get out of bed, but um, for the most part, I'm just trying to maintain perspective and like check in with people, focus on just myself like I don't I don't know I'm like all over the place I guess I don't know yeah. I just I think because I'm not crying every day I feel like I'm doing okay well that's a plus was yeah. there a point where you were crying every day was that a pre early pandemic is that, that was um the early years in Orange County stand-up um, ah. No. <laughs> ah me too <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um I actually don't I feel like I maybe that's one of my problems. I should maybe cry more. I feel like I, I probably a lot of people are like this. So like when I cry, I cry and then, you know, four months go by, then we get another one. Like I just come it's kinda really like, hard. It's kinda like breaking the seal. Yeah, it's kinda like yeah. breaking the seal. You exactly. know, like if you hold it if you hold it in for long enough. It comes out hard, you know? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. I uh have a crying playlist. That yeah. I yeah I put together around starting stand up because I realized it was like I'm blowing all my like dopamine serotonin cortisol adrenaline all this all these go fight or flight but also joy hormones are blowing through my brain at all times so I should have like a moment where I get to feel sad and I get to feel the other range of emotions. I felt like that would be good for my brain. And I just started listening to it again this week because I was like, you got to listen to your sad mix, girl. I love you got to feel. Can you name me like three songs that are on it? Oh, gosh. Um, um, oh, God. Um, uh, let me think. Um, there oh, is a song by, uh, oh, God, let me get You it. know that one by that guy? It's like, do, 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 cry, cry. Yeah. Cry, cry. Doop, 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 doop. Let me pull it's it up right now. That classic hit. Oh, classic okay. Can hit. I guess one? This sure. might not be it, but Sia Breathe Me is like always going to make me cry. That is, Ooh, a, that is an instant cry song for me. I'm going to have to put that on there. Okay. That sounds Pro good. Tip. I have uh, the national This Is The Last Time. <laughs> Uh, got a lot of, got a lot of very strange, um, let's see here. Show me the, show me the list. Spotify. Katie, what are, what are your cry cry songs? Top three go. Actually, I, yeah, that is a great question. Um, a lot of me, for me, they're like musical theater songs. Like, so okay. Really okay. intense, like, okay. Like Hamilton, Eliza Byrne is like a good one. Um, that's actually more when you're like angry, I guess. But, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of finale numbers in musicals really get me. Um, when they did that like Spotify playlist, uh, like what you your top listen to thing, mine was mm -hmm. so right. weird. It was like Beyonce, and then it was like this one song from the Moana soundtrack, and I was like, <laughs> I did not realize I listened to that so many times, <laughs> way too many times. <laughs> I can add um, probably the entire Coco soundtrack to that. Oh like, yeah, like just a little. My cat is freaking out, so I'm gonna. But like, remember me, like especially all the different versions. I'm like, oh, they're so <laughs> Disney, Disney, Pixar. I mean, they're gonna get you. I don't know what they do, but they are like supreme cry makers, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're helping people feel their feels. 
uh, with Dave, what are your cry songs? And while you answer that, I'm going to let my cat in. I will murder your cat. Sounds good. Flick it out the window. That's where it belongs. Uh, Don't think twice. It's all right. By Bob Dylan. In spite of ourselves by John Prine. Mm -hmm. And um, then I think the third one would be uh, Bob Seeger. not turn the page. Not Hollywood Nights. Um, maybe it is Hollywood Nights. Who knows? But some Seeger. All right, all straight, all dudes. I like it. Yeah, Hello. women don't women don't sing in my world. Get out of here. <laughs> Even Hilarious. though, considering "Don't Think Twice" or uh, "In Spite of Ourselves" is John Prine with uh, I think it's Doris. Hang on, what's her name? It's a duet, so there was technically a girl in there, smarty pants. Uh, Uh, While you're looking, I'm going to say Nick Cave Into My Arms is a good one for me. There's Iris Iris Dement was her name. Okay, and any Bonnie Rayet. Any Bonnie Rayet song puts me back hanging out with my mom, driving. Sad. <laughs> don't take don't take the don't take the girl is another uh, if we're if we're going country. Oh, Tim McGraw, either. I believe. Don't take the girl. Okay. It's basically this dude's life, and then he marries this chick, and then she dies on him. It's a sad one. That is a good sad one. These are country is good for crying, I guess. It really is. It truly is. But I think it's I think it's healthy to cry, and I think it's like a physical sign of surrender, and like. With everything going on and sort of your life's journey, how do you experience surrender? I think this is such a good question. And I I didn't Google it because I wanted to hear like your interpretation. But like, as I was saying, like, I don't know the difference between like surrender versus detachment, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, what is the definition? Like, yeah, what what does surrender mean to you? Mm. Letting go, acceptance, you know? um, I think detachment is definitely an element of that. Um, can be it's definitely something that i feel um and there's some really interesting moments where i've felt surrender there's been moments of um making decisions that were very hard you know breakups that kind of stuff um i remember when i got arrested uh, a very specific feel of surrender just being like well we're done <laughs> this is where we're at when the pandemic started i slipped very much into that mode of like oh well this is where we're at like yeah. there's no there's no um additional wiggle room i just this is this is just where i need to be and i think there is detachment in that feeling i think there is acceptance and tolerance and patience that comes with the phenomenon of surrender that's very much my experience of it dave how about you i'd say once i stop fighting and accept things as they are and not as i would want them to be um that that to me is a a form of surrender when i i'm not trying to fix manage and control something that uh doesn't uh doesn't seem right to me you know like surrendering to the fact that no one has ever changed anyone's mind in the Facebook comment thread. <laughs> you know? So it gives me it gives me a moment. It gives me a moment before I start typing, right? <laughs> to be like, oh yeah, don't type. It's not gonna change anything. 
you're going to feel better not typing this. So that, I mean, that's a, that's just a, that's just one aspect of that for me. What about you, Katie? Interesting. I think, um, like I said, I, I am very good at surrender if that's it. Like I, I don't think I'm, I'm like, I worry about things and stuff, but when something is just the situation, I don't fight that. Like, in fact, I, mm. I would rather start at the base of like, what is the truth here and go from there as opposed to like what I want it to be and go the mm-hmm. other way, you know? So, yeah. um, I think that, sorry, what, what's the actual question you asked me? How does surrender? How do you experience surrender? How do I experience like, surrender? Yeah. Um, a lot. I think that I, um, got very used to like early on, like my parents, um, my parents got divorced when I was a kid and it was like very volatile, like courts and restraining orders and all that stuff. And, um, I, my parents went through like a big custody battle and, um, my mom was trying to like get full custody so that my dad didn't have any and my dad's like fucking crazy. And so when I went, but my mom lost. So like I did have to go see my dad. And I remember my mom sitting me down at like age seven and being like, you're going to have to see him till you're 18. Good luck. And so I remember literally being like, okay, all right, we're just going to make it to 18. We got this. We're going to do crazy weekends, but we're going to get there. So I feel like very early on, I was like, life sucks, kid. You're going to have to deal with it and like go from there. But yeah. I think the problem I have, like I said, is that I, I, I don't fight the situation. And sometimes, therefore, I also don't fight to make it better. I just accept mm. a lot of what is like and oftentimes like I'll just stay in something bad for a really long time just because I'm like well there's no way to change it and this is my right. surrender you know yeah, so I think I'm and really, that, yeah that's the negative consequence of detachment like you can detach yourself from a situation but when detachment leads to and I, I don't do this right I suck at a lot of different aspects of surrendering to stuff but like it's it's an ex- it's a balanced thing. Like you can uh, detach, but how far are you detaching? You know, you can surrender, but like how far are you really letting go of what the situation is? You know, like the example that you gave with your folks getting divorced and your mom's just like, this is what you're going to have to deal with. And, you know, you know, it starts with acceptance. So accepting a situation that there's not really much you're going to be able to do to change it in the here and now. You know, uh, it, it, in recovery terms, I uh, I look at it like um, I can only really f- change what's inside this invisible hula hoop that's around me. And the people, places, and things that exist outside of that hula hoop, I have to surrender that there's very little I can do to to change those things. I, I can only hope to change what's inside that hula hoop so that my perception of the things outside of it are different, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like I, um, I definitely... When I think of surrender, it, to me, it's actually like a kind of a beautiful like word if you think about it in terms of yep. like if you're putting your problems like you know in the hands of a higher power or something like that sounds sure. nice. like you're like this is what it is, but I'm gonna be okay. I I don't feel that part. I'm always just like yeah, this is what it is. And but that's I all. Up. That's so also contingent. That's, con- yeah. <laughs> that's also yeah. That's also contingent on b- believing in a higher power. You know, right. I mean, that's you know, that's trust me, that's the appeal. Uh, I'm not I'm not a person that uh, is a hundred percent in on higher power all the time but like that's the appeal it's like it's a it's a comfort um, when you have insane moments so what would you say Katie French is the most insane moment that you've ever had in your life okay there's like again I would ask for definition but um, no, in the word insane. Of... You know, you know what insane. Okay. Come on. 
Okay, you started comedy in Orange County yeah. with Anna and Robin Tran as the only women in your life. Yes. So you know what insane is. So yeah. it can be insane good. It can be insane bad, but it has to be insane. It's insane. Okay, so I will tell because all insanity in my life starts with my father. Um, there you go. And who is um, a... Um, he's undiagnosed because he lives outside the system. Like he has not had a job or a driver's license for most of my life or even a he's government. He's off the grid? Hell yeah. yeah. Or even a government issued ID until I think I was 17. Like this Whoa. dude is living in a different world. Um, Uni- and, Unabomber style, huh? Yes. Um, and he also is um, a worshiping pagan. Um, he believes in Norse gods. As Okay. Um, We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of Odin, a lot of Thor. Um, and he, as part of that, like he sometimes believed himself to be a reincarnated Viking chief. You guys get it. This is, yeah. this is did he do a lot of, right? did he do a lot of peyote back in the day? You that, bet that he sounds did. like, pe- yeah, that's, ah, that's, sure did that's have pay- a lot of botanist friends. And if he did, yeah. he went to some like, you know, whatever. Um, and so he had this, like, so it's part of this. He would have like a lot of like pagan ceremonies, right? You got to have some animals some light animal sacrifices some well you know things like that so and yes there was always like some sort of drugs involved now my brother is um he's eight years older than me so he was like a teen at this time i was like probably outside like seven eight nine and uh so him and his friends liked it because they were like oh we get to smoke weed like around you know our dad and his loser mm-hmm. friends or whatever um and i was like, the only female uh, around, you know, so my for many years, my dad had been building a Viking ship in our front yard. I love okay. this story. I've heard <laughs> yeah. this story, and I love it. I have not heard this story. Okay. So my reaction is, I'm I'm laughing with you. I assure you, this, this see, you totally hit the nail fine. on the head with insane. That's that's what we were looking for the entire time. <laughs> it just it's it's the dinner party story that's like gets weird so okay so again did my dad have a job no did he have money no i don't know where he was like getting this wood these scraps i think he was getting (laughs) donations from his like loser pagan friends um who just imagine you know they're very renaissance fair my parents met at the renaissance fair that's true that feels also like something needs to be said. My parents met in AA. A, did they split so a turkey leg? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Love at first turkey leg. Exactly. Yes. Um, so, so he'd been like building the ship for a while. Now, in a weird thing, like my dad actually lives across the street from a marsh um, down in San Diego. Okay. So he is like building this ship for years and years. And finally, he's like, okay. She's ready. We're going to take her out. But every ship needs a virgin sacrifice. And thank God Katie's visiting this weekend. So Katie gets to be the ceremonial goddess who blesses this Viking ship. Okay. There's no molestation in this, in this story. I just want you guys to know. I want okay. everyone to know. Okay. <laughs> These dudes are so Everybody's like, uh, yeah, th- th- this, is, this is the prequel to Kid Diddlin, if I've ever heard it. Yeah. So my dad has all his friends over. And they're like in full in full um, drag, you know, in full Viking drag, like furs, horns, drinking horns, all these things. And so they're like, okay, we're gonna like take the ship across the uh, across the street to the marsh. Katie's gonna lead our procession. He puts me in like my like goddess outfit, which is like literally a. And how old are you at this point? Like probably eight or nine. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, my goddess outfit, it's, like, an actual, like, pillowcase with, like, arms and neck, like, cut out of it. Like, like remember when, um, <laughs> in The Little Mermaid, do you remember when she, like, gets legs and she washes up on, st- st- yes. on shore? She's in, yeah. like, 
ropes and like a sail. The boat like, sail, yeah. Like literally the outfit I was wearing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, here we go. And I do have a stepmom, but she um, stayed behind and she was like, I'm not interested in this. And I was like, can't imagine why. Um, <laughs> So they're like, Katie, you're going to lead our procession at like, it's like um, at dusk, you know? And so I'm like, what the fuck, man? And so to like cross from his house to the marsh, it's like you kind of have to cross basically like a, like a PCH. So it's like sundown on a Saturday and I'm leading this procession across the fucking busy ass street. And there's like people in like BMWs, Mercedes, like doctors. This is like La Jolla area. It's a long story of why my dad lives there, but... They're like slamming on brakes. Like, what the fuck? There's like a child leading like 10 Vikings, right? So we get there. So we get to like the, you know, the launching off place of the marsh. And my dad's like, well, obviously Katie's, you know, she has to bless the the fucking boat or whatever. Now, by the way, when I say Viking ship, it's like Viking rowboat. It's more of like a long, <laughs> long boat with some like Viking symbols lightly painted on the side. So... <laughs> So he's like, it's like one of those Pinterest memes where it's yes. like how it what looks it on be. Pinterest, what it should I mean, be, what it is. Yes. I don't, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody was like, this is going to be a well-constructed right. big ship. I think we all, we all knew what the payoff was going to be. We all this knew. This is a real scrap Vikings, a real DIY. Um, yeah. So he's like, all right, Katie's got to get in. So they like put me in, they like plop me in. I'm like in my little outfit and my little white Keds. And again, I'm like fucking like not into this, you know, like even at that age, I was like, you guys are fucking losers. I'm a kid and you guys are like more losers than me thinking that this is like fun playtime. So they put me in and then they all pile in. And then that's when my dad realizes that uh, he painted the boat, but did he water seal it? Probably not. So we're like sitting there and like immediately with many Viking men. And of course you can imagine these are not the fellas who are the lightest bunch in their furs. <laughs> so they get in and immediately like in Titanic, like water starts rising from the bottom. Like soon it's like over my kids and I'm like, fuck. And so they all are like in a panic. So like half of them are jumping out of the boat, like trying to make it on land. Half of them are like wading through and there was a circle K across the street. And so they like ran in and did like an actual Viking raid on circle K to grab like the big gulp cups so that they could come back and bail out the boat as she, as she was going on down with me in it. <laughs> and I was like, like, I just remember being like, my, my, I had like, I remember I had cute white kids. It was the 90s, you know? And they were just like covered in mud, like caked. And I'm like still in there. And like, literally, I think someone was like, get Katie. Don't like, don't forget the girl. And they like, finally somebody like wades in like half. Also, because this marsh was not deep, you know? We're talking like yeah. five feet maybe. Yeah. So yeah. like, they're like half, like, I mean, and do you guys know how heavy fur is when it's wet? It's very oh, heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being like dragged out by their like cement furs or whatever um so they finally they did get me out the fucking boat was like half capsized but luckily they were able to like finally like um get it out and um it sat and rotted in our front yard for the next 10 years and that was wow um, i think that was the day i knew i was going to become a comedian <laughs> for sure right Questions? I, my, Questions? My, comments? No, no. I think you you laid it out for us. <laughs> my my favorite so... my favorite part is if we go back to the beginning and and you said, "What do you mean by insane?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I 
I get that thinking. I get that thinking because I suspect very much like me. I have two parts of my personality. I had like mm-hmm. one really stable parent and one really wild parent. Yes. And I seek this in my life, specifically in relationships. Absolutely. And um, I suspect that like me, you do attempt to make decisions around stability. Like how do oh, I the most keep yes. this stable because I've never experienced stability absolutely like literally my whole life choice and personality like sometimes I feel like that's why I'm like not um like a good comedian because I'm not like out wild and like you know like all the like stupid tropes of like yeah drug crazy yeah and like I'm living you know in the like hell house that all like Keith lived in you know that fucking echo park yeah um whatever place anyway yeah um bricks they, made of scabies kind of a place yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> i'm like the most i'm like i will i will like never be irresponsible you know like in fact i deeply resent people who are and mm. i have total i have total empathy for like addiction and stuff like that but i just i really am like a very angry straight A student in the corner, you know, like, Oh man, you and like, you and my dude got to hang like that is, <laughs> is very much the vibe. Yeah. I can't stand it. Like chaos. Like I, yeah, I'm just always going to be like a good responsible like person. And, and t- anytime I've like slipped from that or felt like 2% irresponsible, I'm like, well, I should kill myself now because I'm basically my dad. And next stop is a Whoa. fucking Viking boat, you know, <laughs> like, um, Whoa, and that's insane thinking. Yes, absolutely. At, to have because there's so many absolutely. steps that you have to get there. You gotta yes. live by a marsh. Yeah, in La Jolla, <laughs> you gotta have a, you gotta have a a boat. Yeah, <laughs> or a, a group of nefarious friends who um, are also kind of some of them criminals. But you know, that comes. Yeah, later. I do have these. Like, I mean, I'm sure you're like me. Like. When I said, like, how insane, because I think when I was younger, I would talk about this stuff. And Well, one, I would either not talk about it at all because my parents, like, right. didn't talk. It was, like, total code of silence stuff. Or if I did tell people, they would be like, what? And I grew up in, like, conservative, evangelical, Orange County, you mm-hmm. know, like, Christian stuff. So, like, if even saying the word pagan, people would be like, what? Like, they could not handle it. Right. So my level of, like, what is a wacky story or, like, what is appropriate is very skewed, which is probably it- great for stand-up, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that it's the one of the first jokes that I wrote was about my mom driving her car through the house. Yeah, exactly. And I love that. And I love that. And that makes me really happy (laughs) for me to hear that about your parents and vehicles apparently are a really dangerous mix in our childhood. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially because we're about the same age. So like putting a kid in a seatbelt wasn't a necessary thing. I spent a lot of time with that like hand coming across and flying into the windshield. You know, it's very, very fun. Very fun. Yeah. Well, you know, that we we kind of touched on it before but how do you with this pressure to not be the viking princess yeah, any yeah, longer so how <laughs> do you um how do you make decisions in your life that's a good question i mean it is absolutely you like you totally hit the nail on the head with like stability which i'm realizing more and more like so many things i do and don't do it's all right all in like stability security like how how horribly I could mess up, you know, and like mm-hmm. um, 
things. So I think that when I was younger, I definitely made a lot of decisions that were like, particularly like relationships and stuff like that. That was, it's like very codependent. And also like my dad, cause mm. he's like fucking crazy. Like, um, you know, he's like, he's not a dad. So I'm like baby mom to him, you know? And so mm-hmm. I was just very used to like mothering people, mm-hmm. self-sacrificing, like classic. I feel like I, I kind of know a lot of the 12 step stuff, but I don't mm-hmm. cause like minus the alcohol, you know? Yeah. Um, so that used to drive me, but I have, I've done plenty of therapy throughout my life and I feel like I do make healthier decisions now. Um, but the fear of not stability is like the biggest thing that is probably, um, like quote her, like hurt me long-term, which is kind of funny because you would think instability would be the problem, but stability, I think it keeps me like very boxed in. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's about trusting yourself and taking yeah. risks around understanding that you got this you're yeah. together yeah you know but to me like, i'm always like i'm yeah i'm always a step away from the marsh like you know and it was also like in terms of like daily practice because i hear you guys like talk about that in your daily yeah. gratitude or whatever like to me because i grew up with such a like insane mentally ill person like every morning i wake up and i ask myself if i'm crazy because crazy people don't ask them don't think they're crazy and to me I, it's like been the spell of like everybody am i crazy okay as long as i'm asking that question i'm not my sponsor is a therapist i have a therapist and i have friends because i worked in drug and alcohol treatment for so long i have like three friends that are therapists and about once a month i ask the entire therapist crew of my life (laughs) do you think i have borderline personality disorder like my grandmother and they're like no and i'm like you would tell me if you did though right and they're like yes and also if you had borderline you would never think think about it exactly. you would just burn people alive <laughs> yes. and lay, you know not to say that that's it but my grandmother is untreated you know what i mean but yeah. it can, you would just live in this chaos and never question it yeah. and and i'm like i know but i just need to be told every once in a while yeah yeah my <laughs> biggest fear is truly like it's not dr- it's actually not drugs or anything it's just losing my mind because i've seen it happen mm. to people in my family so horribly and it it sucks because I, I simultaneously have so much empathy for people like that. I understand you can't help it, but it's also my biggest fear. And um, I just feel like, yeah, I, I'm just so afraid of doing that. And most importantly, like, I'm just afraid of becoming a burden on somebody. Yeah. And so I'm very, like, I handle my shit. I'm responsible. I'm stable. I'm not going to be a burden on you. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like, and therefore the contract is that you don't be a burden on me. And so... If somebody mm-hmm. asks me for something or sometimes I'm like, what? You can't take out of yourself. Like, I get very critical of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not good for, like, building bonds. I'm very just like, stay in my little corner. You stay in yours. And that should be healthy, right? No, it's not always. But, you know, <laughs> I don't know. What would you say the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself in your life would be? I'll say the thing that I'm most shocked with in quarantine and all this is I got a cat and she's actually like sleeping in my lap right now. I hope her purrs are not coming through. She's amazing. No, I love it. If they were coming through, I would just isolate the purrs and just listen to them forever. She's so sweet. She's literally my um, lap. And I've been so afraid. Like my two fears were always like um, losing my mind and having children because as you probably, Mm -hmm. you guys know, like, chaotic childhoods baby what if i fuck them up man can it go off the rails real quick Mm -hmm. man is there stuff you're not allowed to tell judges you know (laughs) like yeah it just it was so like 
traumatic and painful for me. And so I had such a like anti child children's stance. Like anytime friends had babies, or, like I mean, and granted, for most of us, we're like trying not to get pregnant in our twenties, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But even when people did or wanted to, I'd be like, you're fucking crazy and you're going to fuck it. Like, I had this really weird judgment of it or really weird, like, reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been – it's, like, it's my biggest fear, but it's also the thing I've always wanted in my own family. Like, a fucking mm-hmm. normal – like, you know, you want the one you didn't have. You want a fresh start. You want to, like, do it. Like, and, and I realize in me that, like, that is actually, like, my deepest, like, urge and want. But – the idea of motherhood has seemed so burdening to me and so draining and so, um, you know, like I feel like I, like I said, I was like baby mom when I was not wanting to, mm-hmm. I was like a seven year old mom and that was like, was so hard for me. So taking care of something, whether it's a child or whatever, like even getting this cat, like I felt like I do not have the energy. How could I possibly like take care of a cat? I don't have the emotional energy. I'm gonna have to feed it each day. Like I can't do all this shit. It's gonna be a nightmare. It's gonna claw all my stuff. And I got this cat and she is like a fucking dream. I walk her. You guys can check out my Instagram. She fucking walks twice a day. She has a little um, tiger vest. I <laughs> um, See, I'm stable, just, right? <laughs> just wait until your cat's Instagram surpasses yours. Oh, I, you know, we'll get success however we can in this household. <laughs> um, yeah, friend of the pod, Ken Gar got two dogs and some guinea pigs. And now his dog is doing way better on Instagram than... Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Wil- Wil- Wilbur and the Dumplings. Wilbur and the Dumplings. Yeah, it's like it's a hot Instagram. I'm a mazel, you know. Dude. Like, I mean, well, it's so funny because I also used to be just so judgmental of like anybody or people who were like obsessed with their pets or like you know I had friends that were like oh I can't come to the party because my dog and I'm like you fucking weirdo like make connections with humans why do you fucking care like I just had all these like strong feelings um, and now I'm like fucking psycho I have become what I hated like I love her she has brought so much joy like true joy. She doesn't feel like a burden. In fact, like I, I get so much like from her, and um, and she's also just like a very. We, I really lucked out with like a sweet cat. Um, but I just cannot believe. Like I'm always like I can't believe I have a fucking cat, because to me, taking care of that just felt like such a burden. Yeah. Um, next step, kids. I guess. <laughs> like. I mean, you know. or not. I mean, <laughs> when I first got clean, I got um, I about six months before I got clean, I got this little kitty in my life, Sheba, and um, and she wasn't what I expected, and was integral to the healing of the trauma and the chaos of my childhood and my life. Interesting. And, How so? Um, well, because when you don't feel safe to hug and express your feelings to people. Mm. Um, an animal is an excellent place to do that. Yeah. Um, there were some good hard cries wrapped around that cat. Yeah. You know, um, there was a lot of caring for something and and opening myself up to care for. Like I remember, we I was living in San Luis Obispo and there were these she was walking around in the yard and uh there were these two hawks flying by and i'm out there with a broom chasing the hawks out of the yard you know because she was little and i was like you're gonna take my cat you know and you know and and just um you know having having something when she passed away i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry on this podcast over my cat but when she passed away i lost the longest running mutually loving relationship I had had in my life because my dad died when I was 17 and my mom died when I was 28 and we weren't really in contact Mm. 
Mm. And so Sheba was, Sheba was even, there was a time where I couldn't have her and she went to stay with my mom and my grandmother living together all Grey Garden style. (laughs) And they had, and it was a perfect setup because my mom liked to lay around and eat, you know, eat opiates and drink, drink. (laughs) And the cat loved to lay on people that lay down. And um, so it was like a perfect pair. And when I went to pick her up, she had, I kid you not, Katie, seven food dishes, all for different things. She had tuna, she had bonita flakes, she had her whiskus treats, she had her crunchies. It was like the funniest thing. And, and, And for my mom, especially, who was a person who could not have relationships with humans. Mm. She was not made for this plane. This yeah. much I know. She was not made for where wherever this reality is. She could... She was the best dog trainer I've ever met in my life mm. and was the best with cats. And um, she had this ability to just live and communicate with animals. I'm not... I don't know, like, in a woo way or whatever, but... She definitely could have better relationships with animals than she could with people. And after living with my grandmother, I totally get it. Um, it was it was challenging. So I think animals are integral. Like a friend of the podcast, Jared, super sweet, co-hosted for a little while. Um, he his I you know he went to therapy and his therapist like four sessions in was like you need to get a cat because your attachment problems due to the chaos that you grew up in it's it's a healthy form of attachment i'd like you to cultivate and he got two and that's how i ended up with the cat because it's their sibling so it was like it's like this thing it can be it can be a really beautiful um and it also teaches you surrender because cat gonna cat yeah, you know, totally, totally. It's going to knock your shit off the off the dresser. It's going to come in and meow while you're podcasting. Yeah. You know, cat going to cat. There's there's very little that we can do to um to control. We can set boundaries. We can ask them to to do things for us, but they're at the end of the day, they're not an extension of us. They're a little being that lives alongside us. That is you know? such an interesting point. Also, shout out to Jackson Galaxy, the cat daddy. Um, do you oh, know? Yes. Yeah, I mean, my cat from hell changed my life. Check out that show, guys. It's mind blowing. But um, it's funny because my boyfriend, he's never had a cat before. And um, so I had to like tell him like, you can't like you basically have to ignore it the first two weeks, you know, like mm-hmm. let it come like stripper rules. It can come to you. You can't go to it. Like mm-hmm. just really like chill and just you know see and so it was really interesting like even for myself you want to go and like bother them like squeeze their little face and stuff you know but you really have to be like when she wants to she will and it's great because then I'm like I was not paying attention to her and now she's asleep in my lap and like it is so magical when they come up to you because you're like oh my god thank you like I feel very blessed right now you know in a cheesy way so I don't know what this cat's done to me I'm like sending my friends pictures like my friends sending me their kid pictures and I'm sending back cat pictures like yes I I do not if if quarantine has done one thing to me I do not know who I've become in terms of my love of my cat and my heart softening and opening to a whole new world of pet ownership I don't know didn't you well that's I mean that's wait Dave that's just just, that don't you have a cat uh, I, I do I do have one isn't it the sad cat that got hit it is it is the same cat. How's how yeah. how are they doing? I don't know their pronouns. They're, it's he's it's doing a, just fine. It's His a boy, Jeffrey Pickles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just fine. And that's yeah. all. That's the report. 
Jeff P. Well, I'm trying. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm trying. Uh, he's good. Uh, I mean, it's the saga is a, a little long, you know, uh, but he's adjusting well, and he uh, he likes under the bed, and then I feed him, and he likes that. So I mean, <laughs> so we're doing great. Yeah. Well, it just. I agree with a lot of what you said. You learn a lot about yourself. You have to get honest with the fact that you're capable of love and you're capable of taking care of things. And it takes a lot to get honest like that. I, I've had to do a, a fair amount of it the past few weeks with uh, Jeffrey Pickles. So, but the question to you, Katie French, yes. is how honest are you with yourself and others? Oh, this is this is probably the most triggering question because I grew up in this chaos my parents didn't talk mm -hmm. like there it was like don't tell me what happens down there i don't want to know and i know it was like for my mom's sake it was like she, she was so heartbroken that she lost the case that like my dad got to still see me and stuff that she just kind of like totally checked out um so i i grew up lying all the time Whoa. and i didn't realize that like all the time because you lie like you know if you're in an abusive household like you lie to not get in trouble you lie to cover other people's tracks like my dad was such a rageaholic that like anything would piss him off and i would just like lie to try to get him to calm down you know you'd say anything or you take the blame for something that wasn't your fault so he doesn't get more mad at somebody else like all that stuff and so i realized like then you just get used to like lying for no reason or like embellishing something and so it really has been interesting to see like and i didn't and the kind of thing where like i didn't think of myself as a liar you know like i was like mm -hmm. i'm a responsible person and stuff but then it's like but why do you lie about all this stuff or things that you think people are going to get mad at you about that like you know like if you can't you know and i don't do this anymore but like in the past it might be like i'm too tired to go to dinner with a friend so i make up a lie of why i can't and then like kind of get caught or but it's also like you could have just told them you didn't have the energy or you were too tired like people mm -hmm. will love you and understand and i think that that's something that um i didn't feel and also like you know didn't keep relationships around me that would be understanding or mm -hmm. didn't require me to lie or change some part of myself to like maintain the relationship so um, that's been really, that was a really hard thing to kick. And I think that I'm more honest than ever, but there are things that, um, I, I mean, I feel like we all lie to ourselves about some things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think that I, there's actually more things that I feel like I know about myself that I know and I tell myself every day, but, um, but there's shitty things about myself that I'm not changing or like things that I should be, things I should be doing. I should be hustling more in this way or I should be putting myself out more in that way. Um, so I feel like I, I'm honest. I think I'm pretty aware of like what's going on. I just don't do the thing or I have an excuse for why I'm not doing it and stuff. Um, but I think a really big challenge is like being honest in relationships, um, mm -hmm. specifically like I just, I have a family that's very, um, like splintered in that like this person doesn't talk to this person this person doesn't talk to this person this you know so like i mean Sames, holidays yeah. have been hell my whole life like they're finally not like this was the best christmas i've ever ha had in my fucking life because i didn't have to go anywhere see anywhere talk to anybody yes like, this is the best like christmas is the worst day of the fucking year for me because i lit i feel like i like i haven't seen game of thrones too triggering you know renaissance fair childhood mm -hmm. but um <laughs> like, i imagine the show vikings is out absolutely absolutely That's not <laughs> People will be like, haven't you watched Breaking Bad? And I was like, bitch, I live Breaking yes. Bad. No. Yeah. <laughs> I need that immersion therapy. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
Can't can't even watch the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess I lost my train of thought. But I feel like oh, honesty in relationships, like. I can't just for so long. It's like I I can't talk about this person because this person's gonna get pissed, or I have to cover this, or like I find myself a lot of times like let's say two friends are in a fight, like I'm in the middle, I'm always mediating between people, and I fucking hate it because I just can't be honest about how I feel, or I can't say the truth of like what did you do last weekend? Oh, I was like with my mom. Oh, well that like I can't say that because they don't talk to my mom, you know. Like mm-hmm. so it just it was always like mental gymnastics and tap dancing of trying to figure out like what I was and wasn't allowed to say and and also. I felt very hurt by other people. And so I try to be especially um, careful of their feelings far more mm-hmm. than they usually are of mine. So I would also like bend over backwards not to say something because I knew it was going to trigger them and stuff. And so now right. I'm like, I am re- kind of like, because I've I've moved on from a lot of that. I am estranged from my dad, which took me a long time to like cut him out of my life. But, um, and even so, I don't like that phrase. People are very dramatic when people who are like, I cut them out. It's like, you're, you're drama. I don't yeah, want to say that. Yeah. I am estranged from my father is what I mean. <laughs> um, to but, me, estranged yeah. sounds way more dramatic. It is. Like I, estranged. It's it's estranged. Like we, Feels like divorced or something. Like, I don't know. It's it's a very old lady right? word. Um, very Grey Gardens word, I feel like. But um, mm. yeah, so, so all that to say, like, I do feel like the relationship I'm in now romantically, I can be very honest. Like, in fact, I was thinking the other day, like, if I lied to him, like, I would... I, I couldn't imagine do it, like truly doing that or betraying him or something the way that maybe I have in other past relationships or things like because we do keep each other very like accountable. Um, and that feels like really weird, but really good because I know it's healthy. Healthy feels weird. <laughs> yeah. It really does. Like my therapist always used to say, like, does this feel good or does it feel familiar? You know, and the answer is always familiar. Ooh. And, um, Ooh. yeah. I like that. I'm stealing that. Yeah. So trying to, like, be more honest or to be like, can I, for example, like, when I'm in a relationship or friendship, whatever, if I'm very upset with somebody, like, I can never say it. Like, I never say it. And that's really bad because, mm. or let's, uh, like, say romantic relationships. Like, my, my whole thing was, like, don't say shit, don't say shit, don't say shit. And then I'm fucking done and I'm out. And the person's like, What? happened and it's like well four years ago you said this and i have never let it go and i'm fucking done now you know and that's not fair to other people Mm. either like that's actually worse to them because then they're blindsided um yeah so it's really weird and trying to be honest when i'm upset or trying to like broach things like that is very hard and i'm trying to be more assertive about that but i don't know the boundaries between i'm also afraid because like growing up with a rageaholic like I only know, like, anger-wise, I only know, like, no anger or, like, all the anger, burning bridges, never coming back. And so I hate anger. I hate rage. And I am very, very, like, measured and contained. I'm not angry. Like, I don't – doesn't mean, like, I don't feel it, but I never fucking express it. And except for on stage and stand-up, usually to a crowd, and then I bomb, and it goes bad, and then – yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the trick with that kind of anger is it's not fun anger. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, upsetting. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, uh. So I think that that's anger and honesty are really, really challenging for me. Mm. And well, in that together, I, it sounds like there's just a lot of things that you really want to work on. And we in 12 step world, we would call it like character defects. Mm. Like what? are or actually even before that how do you experience fear and anxiety 
Um, I, this is a good... Because that's a lot of fear of anger, which I, I understand. Yeah. Game recognized yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. That is interesting. I used to think... Well, I usually... Like, depression is always how, like, my problems manifest. Like, I, I don't have panic attacks mm-hmm. and stuff. I have a lot of fear, but... Like, I, I got really depressed when I was 12. I was put on antidepressants before I even had my period. Hey, girl. Um, hey. That feels illegal. Doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like <laughs> that was way too young? I definitely <laughs> needed them before I was I ever had a period. So. I mean, but also very progressive. Yes. Well, what kind of doctor was that forward thinking to be it, like, no, she's not just going to recess is not going to take care of this. It's yeah. going to be something. <laughs> No, I, it was around like I was 12 and um, things were like awful and stuff. And I was I was sleeping all the time, like literally like 18, 19 hours a day. Yeah. Yes. And um, so my mom was concerned. And so she did like what she felt like she could, which is like take me to a, you know, psychiatrist or whatever who put me on meds. And were, were we talking about any of the issues that was causing that? No. Did we have a total code of silence about everything? Yeah. Yes. But take pink pills and you'll be OK. Um, so and then I do remember. Did they very, help? Um, yes and no they they made me um, it was Paxil and it made me have like really horrific nightmares so girl my problem was sleeping and then I was sleeping into demonscape every night and waking up more tired because your REM cycle is going the whole time yeah girl on Paxil I dreamed I was being possessed by the devil multiple times a night with sleep paralysis the whole thing the whole thing. Oh, my I, God. Girl, what a nightmare drug that is. But it, it also speaks to the fact that, like, without proper support, a drug is a drug is just a Band-Aid without the work yeah. of, with a therapist. And my, my parents did the same thing. They were like, they took me to therapy. My dad sat there and cried the entire time. I never got a chance to say anything to the therapist. Oh, no. <laughs> I took the spotlight. He put focus. He took the spotlight. <laughs> I do. I do think there's a whole thing about like 80s, 90s healthcare or like mental health care because 50s, 60s, 70s, we didn't talk about it. People were like there, and then it was like kind of people are starting to go, but like it's not. It's not the greatest, you know. Well, and the trial, the trial and error process took a lot longer in the 90s. Uh, My mom, it was trial and error on medication for depression Mm -hmm. for four or five years until she found the thing that worked for her. So, I mean, the fact that they were even trying that back then was just the wild, wild west. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I do remember, like, in the story of my life, I was uh, 12, 13. I think I was, like, finally starting high school. And they Paxil at the time was literally, like, little bubblegum pink mm-hmm. pills. And I yeah. remember, like, telling my mom, like, having some, like, actually expressing my anger and being like, I don't want your pink pills anymore. And, like, throwing them across the room. It was very, it was a very teen movie. I loved it. And meanwhile, you just needed a night's sleep where you weren't being, yeah. you know, chased by El Kukui was coming the into bloodiest. your house every day. Yeah, I still remember those nightmares just being the most bloody, violent, like, horrible things. I'm were, on antidepressants now. Were, the, no were there problems. Vikings involved? Uh, that was the waking dream, you know? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, if you were going to hit from both both yeah. angles, I'm surprised <laughs> you're still with night, us. man. Um, yeah. But did I answer your question? Oh, how does fear and anxiety? Now, as an adult, depression is still always my, like... If I'm sleeping too much, that's like mm-hmm. my tri- that's my tell. Um, and then things which I think is like pretty common is like I realize my fear and anxiety or frustration, or whatever, um, is in direct correlation to my need to organize and write lists and mm. um, and and find the perfect pencil organizer at Ross. You know, like these little 
things that I realize like, oh, I'm just trying to like control something or distract or control um, whatever it is, you know? And so I'll be like, I need to paint this new coffee table and I need to do it now and it will not not be done now. So we're doing it, you know? Yes. Yes. I decided I was going to go back to school and I rearranged my room um, that night uh, to accommodate (laughs) a desk, which I ordered multiple desks to figure out which one was going to work best for the space. Girl, really, I feel feel better. A girl, I, I, you know, I love these little areas of control because, of, you know, and it's so funny, I can accept the areas of like physical control as opposed to trying to fix, manage and control the people around me and really yeah. get into my character defects around that. Yeah, um, that's where I really fuck up. And so it's like, yeah, some days I'm going to rearrange all the furniture in the house. Yeah, that's just how I process sometimes. Um, or I can sit and feel my feelings, as my sponsor would say, but gross. Like, why would you want to do oh, that? So painful. Um, so painful. Why? Why? I don't even know how to, you know, but um, that gets to like, what defects like what when you're at Ross, looking for the perfect pencil organizer? What is the defect that you're trying not to work on that you still need to work on? I mean, it's, it's, for that kind of stuff, it's probably always, like, what I need to be doing, like, for my, like, career. You know, it's, like, right, why am I not writing a pilot right now? You know? Like, it's writing stuff. you don't stuff, have to if you don't want to. Or And because no one is buying shit right yeah, now. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I was telling myself. Um, the things like that. You know, I think another thing, too, is, like, questioning, like, career stuff. Like, I just... It's funny, I'm like, I'm 10 years into stand-up, and I'm still like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, And I know it's like, yeah. no, who does? But I truly, I think I've always, for me, something in adulthood, because like the family stuff was so crazy, I I always like aspired to be like an 80s power bitch who had no husband or children. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, like what they're like, the worst of a power woman. I'm like, I was always like, that's wonderful. You have no divorce to have. You have no children to fuck yes. up. You can just. I wanted like, to be Murphy Brown designing women yes. all day. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, that would be wonderful. And people are always like, you know, I know the moral of stories is like, you spend all your time on your career and then your kids grow up and you die and you realize you should have spent time with your kids. And I'm like, kids can leave you and become estranged from you. My career will never leave me, you know? So I always attached a lot to like wanting to do those things. But um, but then you realize, like, as in the last year, like, well, if there's no comedy, then you're not a comedian, you know? Like, yes. So what is what have you been doing? And I've always just wished I had like this perfect life calling that I was perfectly focused on, that I was perfectly achieving, you know? And instead, it just feels like this painful, endless grind and self doubt and questioning. And that's yeah. Common, but I guys. think that's the profession we chose. Yeah. Honestly, there has to be. There has to be some surrender and acceptance to the free fall of it all. You know, it's like the only thing I have control over is I write my jokes. I practice my jokes. I smile at people. I'm not a dick. You know, like that's all I have control over in my career. Everything else is so dick often. Dave, sometimes we all got to be a little bit of a dick. (laughs) You know I'm what I mean? Saying, let's, I let's learned get, it from let's watching get rig- you. Let's get, let's get rigorously honest here. I know. I, I'm not saying I'm not culpable. I'll be the first person to admit I, I will be a dick about comedy. Uh, yeah, just but... Because it's the thing I care about most in the world, so... I think that, yeah, and it, there is... We can care about it and we can love it, but it is not a thing that can be controlled. Like a cat, it is a thing that exists and does what it does, and... 
sometimes the rules aren't and and I was uh, talking about this with my roommate today like the rules are not the same like like why I'm going back to school is not because fuck you I'm taking my ball and going home it's um because the routes of achievement are not equal in our field Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge that and to treat that with some respect doesn't make me a victim it actually makes me the opposite of that it gives me some sense of agency and onus over what i'd like to do and who i'd like to do it with That's you know really interesting. and yeah yeah so to really not look at it as like fuck the system it's all good it's all bad yeah to look at it as the system is always going to be imperfect and i can subvert it from any any angle that I choose to as long as it brings me joy. The second it doesn't bring me joy, bitch, I'm going to go learn how to farm or I'm going to raise alpacas <laughs> or some shit. You know what I, I mean? Am, like, I am at constantly like this close from starting a decor YouTube channel, like a DIY. Like I, I am always it. like, well, that's the interesting thing too is I think that's frustrating, especially for someone who likes control and I like to do lists. And like if there were a path, like if there was an X, Y, Z you do and then you get there and you know, like I know mm-hmm. Chris, my boyfriend, he always like, quotes i think patrice o'neill said something about like people say like um you know like being a doctor is a dream and he's like it's not you there's a path like you just have to do these 15 things and you'll be a yes. doctor but like being yes. a comedian is a fucking like imp- it's an impossibility you know and some people it's like the easiest path some people are really like really hard and i think for me i struggle because there is no path and i've always just been like i don't know what i'm doing i feel like i'm i always describe i feel like comedy is uh like as a career is running uphill in roller skates that is how I s- describe so many things in my life, running uphill yeah. on roller skates. That is exactly yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Exactly. And um, yeah. yeah, and it's really confusing. And I have doubt about it all the time. And like, why am I doing this? Or like, what am I? Or, and also like, as you know, like, if you don't feel like when I started in OC, it's like, there's no fucking chicks here. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I do not fit here. And I do. Not... And you're so you're so smart, too. That's the other thing is Thank you bring you. an intelligence really nice. to your comedy <laughs> that is so like, like, as I was saying, I was like, I write a lot of sex jokes. I write a lot of this. And the guys were like, you got to watch Katie because she writes smart jokes. Um, oh, and I was like, I didn't know that. That's really nice. I yeah. did remember one time real rich after a show I bombed. And then he like like ran and followed me out to the parking lot i thought like someone was like gonna mug me but it was him uh and he was just like hey everyone in there they're fucking stupid and i was like thank you thank you so much that really yes um but it that's really really nice to hear but i don't um yeah i just don't know i've always felt like i just don't fit here but and yet what's funny is like pursuing comedy like i would be at open mics and i'd be like okay i know why i'm here because i am like for with my childhood i'm like i am surrounded by men who are yes. fucking crazy or off their rockers in viking as, costumes in, mm-hmm. yeah. most of them look like vikings yes honestly <laughs> shout out tim groschel look I at you was gonna <laughs> <laughs> i literally was gonna say shout out tim um but like shout out to tim <laughs> i hope he's listening you know i was like oh i was like does comedy feel good or does it feel familiar like all these dudes who just have like, yeah. issues you know and i was like i'm very comfortable here even though i never felt like um you know like you fit it and all that to say like no one was ever like actively horrible to me or anything you know it just was like not it was just like one of these is not like the other you know and like even Mm -hmm. and i couldn't i felt also too like because i was chick i didn't feel like i could like ingratiate the same way like um i don't know Mm -hmm. i was also like a little bit older like in hindsight i'm like i wasn't that much older but like 26 to like 20 is different Mm -hmm. you know and so i felt like the weird older stepsister you know, 
that yeah. like everyone gets quiet when you like walk in the room or something. Um, they have reverence for you. That's what it was. It was reverence and awe. That oh, they, that's so nice to hear. That, wow, I mean, that really was my interpretation my of it. <laughs> that's really sweet. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes you got to know the nice things people say about you. Oh, you know what I mean? Like really, it's. Really sweet. Yeah, and, and, well, and I was I, trying to fit in, and I was like, "What's up, you fucking loser?" Like, no wonder they didn't want to talk to me. I'm just shitting on them. <laughs> well, I mean, you could have gone my route, which was to be uh, complete with codependency and people pleasing, and have that blow up in your face. Because um, so. I was curious about your, because you are you are like close with a lot of those dudes, and I was like, "What? What? what how did you do that? What? What did you do?" And now, oh yeah, no, sense. I uh, completely folded myself into a little origami swan, and uh, yes. then you. You know, when shit got hard in my life, found myself very alone and sad. Um, oh, man. I'm sorry we didn't know each other more. I would have said, call me, girl. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But you know what it was? I, I think what what I learned from that, again, is it's another, it's another area of surrender. It's another area of working on it. And at the end of the day, uh, people-pleasing is a kind way to describe a very ugly manipulation that is based in being inauthentic to find acceptance and safety. Oh, man. That, and that, that is hits. my fault, that, not anyone else's. That one slaps, because I have been very familiar like to do that, and um, it. I didn't realize it's manipulation, you know? Mm-hmm. It is lying. It's yeah. like, I'll be whoever you want me to be. I can do this. Oh, I got you. Girl. Yeah. Like all that stuff. And I really, um, I have a deep resentment of it. And then I also did it constantly. I think I do yes. it less now, but all the fucking time. It's and very addictive. Like, I always felt like when I was like in certain friendships or whatever, that I was like, if, if emotional problems are like a plate spinning, I'd be like spinning my own plate and then take another one and then take another one. And then I'd be like spinning everyone's fucking plates and everyone else would just be like sitting, drinking lemonade, you know? And then they crash, and then they come at you, and they're like, "Why are you not spinning my plates?" Yes, and yes. I'm like, yeah, "Exactly." And it's and it's it's all a, a prison of one's own making. Yeah. And and absolutely. what I found is that one of the most interesting components of that, getting out of that hole, is getting to a place of forgiveness for myself and for others. What is your experience of forgiveness of yourself and others? That's interesting. I. I do think I am mostly forgiving of others. I do think I'm very empathetic. Again, sometimes I think it's, like, too much. Like, sometimes I'll see, like, you know, some gruesome murderer, and I'll be like, but we're all just carrying our own things. And then it's like, he murdered 50 children. I'm like, ah, good point. Like, I'm too... I, I really try to start, like... I just... I do believe in, like, radical compassion and empathy. I think it's the only way we're going to move forward. I think that's why the current culture wars are not going to work out for anyone, because everyone just wants blood um and it's not gonna work anyways um so i think i have i have forgiveness and like even for my dad who like was like the villain of my life for a long time i have a lot of compassion and empathy and forgiveness for him Mm -hmm. took me a while to get there um and i just have to have it from afar like because if i re-enter a relationship with him i'll kind of fall back into my thing my old habits and i'll just be frustrated again but um Mm -hmm. but for forgiving myself i I have this very, like, I think because it's, like, you have high expectations of yourself or other people and stuff. And, like, if I fall, like I said, if I fall, like, 2% short of those, I'm, like, kill yourself. You basically might have murdered 50 children, you know? Um, So I really, I really am trying to think about, like, what forgiveness could feel like, you know? Because I don't, again, the same thing. I, I, I have very, if you haven't noticed, like, very extreme black and white thinking. So, like, I don't know what's serenity mm-hmm. versus depressive detachment. Or I don't know what's forgiveness versus indulging my 
or forgiveness versus indulging my like um bad behavior you know like right and and i think that that is very much that it's a very there's a a couple of if you're listening to this and you're like is there a program for folks that grew up with these kinds of things um while we do not endorse any programs there are um there's uh coda aca al-anon um so if you're listening to this and you're like i wonder if there's a step situation for these things that's definitely it and and as i was listening i'm like yeah this is very much like the aca experience this is very much the adult children of alcoholic situation uh that i i also had you know and like one of the things is constant Mm self-doubt constant questioning because you're told the whole time that the freak show is normal yes and what you perceive isn't real and you're like it takes it has taken me 38 years of my life to internalize that my decision making and my and first off not every decision i make is a mistake and that um that my perceptions of people oftentimes are correct um and when they're not correct it is that difference between familiar or 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 good you know it's it's very much um you know, recognizing those things. Like I had to call Dave the other day and be like, I had this interaction with somebody in the program and Oh, hello everybody. And 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 I had to I had to I had to just like own it. Like I had to just own it and be like, hey, you know, I had this interaction. I just need you to tell me not to be you know, not to act in these defects. And like so the ability to self-assess has gone up, the ability to trust my decision making, the ability to trust my gut. I think the question when I come to my sponsor with a problem, the question she always reflects back to me is, what does your gut say? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm so bad at reading my internal, my my true north, my internal Right compass. now, mine says, feed me Taiwanese pho, but that's just my gut. <laughs> Get that pho, baby. Get that pho. That is... Oh, trust me. That's an act of self-forgiveness. Dave, how does it register for you? Like, how do you experience self-forgiveness? Well, I got to start by forgiving people that have done me wrong in my life the people that are uh, falling into the categories of uh, like unforgivable you know Mm -hmm. there's been people in my life that have done unforgivable things to me but until i can forgive those people because it's not for them it's for me that's when i can start working on forgiving myself for the way i am and i think because we live with ourselves it's a constant uh remembering of forgiving myself for who I am and what I do and how I approach things and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's self-love is forgiveness. It's forgiving people who on all accounts don't deserve forgiveness. You know, uh, I th- so I think it, it all ties in my ability to forgive other people. How well, how well am I at forgiving myself because I can forgive other people but then not forgive me and then not forgive me for not forgiving other people which is a whole uh, ball of wax the snake uh, eating its own tail the Ouroboros of recovery (laughs) so you know and and sometimes I have to apologize for my part in things you know whether it's directly to a person or to myself I have to apologize for the way I was that led the situations to be the the way that they were Uh, Katie what would you say is your most surprising apology that you've ever received or given in your life? Um, I have, you know, it's funny ever since I started listening to this podcast, I realized, I think my, what I experienced was somebody else's amends, but they didn't tell me. 
Um, oh. Tell us everything. The, the, old, oh. the old sneaky amends. Yeah. yeah. We, we like a sneaky amends around here. Yeah. I think in hindsight, I'm like, I think that's what that was. Um, I had a relationship when I was younger that um, uh, a romantic relationship. How old? Um, like 18 to 22. And, okay. um, and it's an appropriate age. It was the worst relationship time of my life. Like, I, it's funny. I'm like, I, I blocked that more. I can remember my child much more than like even this era of my life. Um, and it was just like really awful. And it was very much like me doing a lot to support him, like mommy, mommy girlfriend, or just like mm. taking all the like emotional work and some financial and da da da. Like, oh God, just was he a Viking? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Um, I could have killed him and sent him to Valhalla. Fun fact, guys: <laughs> a Viking can't get into Valhalla unless they die with a sword in their hand. So my dad always made me promise to put a sword in his hand before he dies. I don't think hospitals are going to let that happen now. Anyways, um, so, (laughs) yeah, I had this relationship that was just, oh, God. And, I mean, I forgive him. Like, he grew up in an abusive household, blah, 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 blah. But um, he was, like, and on it, to be honest, you know what's fucked up is like I totally am so intimately familiar with emotional abuse. But when people are like, I'm like everyone's ex was abusive at this point. You know what I mean? Do you ever notice? Like, there's Mm -hmm. no one who hasn't had a fucking abusive ex. So, anyways. Mm -hmm. But I remember one situation where, like, he, like, almost got physical and he didn't. Um, and I always remember that obviously is like, wow, um, that was fucking crazy. Like literally like 10 years later out of the blue called me, met at a Starbucks and was like, I want to apologize for some things. And that was one of them. And like, like the three things in the relationship that I was like, the unforgivables or whatever are the three things he named. And we hadn't spoken in like 10 years. Yeah. It was weird. It was literally like, I got the movie speech moment of like that you never get in real life. And I was like, whoa, that was wild. And I'm not crazy. Did he have a note card with him? He didn't. So was that not an amends then? Did he? Did he ask? No, I, I was just did saying. Did he ask? Yeah. Clue. Yeah. Did he ask if there was anything he could do to make it right? Yes. Then that might have been an that amends. That was an amends. Baby. Hell yeah! Because that's you can, you, can, you, you can apologize, but most people only stop at the apology and they don't ask how they can make things right, which is the which is the trick to an amends. It's not. It's I did these things. Now how how I mean it's look at the word amend. Yeah. You're trying. You mm-hmm. you know you're so like people are making amends and not doing the word. You know like I'm sorry that I was a dick. You know, or yeah. I apologize for what I did. It's it's not only that. It's like I did these things, and they're regrettable. What can I do to make them right? And it's easy when it's like a monetary thing. Like I stole two hundred dollars from you. Here's two hundred dollars back. Mm-hmm. But when you steal time from someone, or you know, you can't just give someone stability. time back. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. You know? I think my answer was. Please don't talk to me ever again. That would make it right. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, Something like that. that's, no, that's a valid. Yeah, and God, and, I have no, an ex okay. that was like, never talk to me again. I was like, solid. Yeah. <laughs> and God bless. Like, I don't honestly. That, I don't. I don't bear ill will. I'm not like trying to drag sure. anybody. But it was yeah. remarkable that I was like, whoa, that actually happened. That's crazy. Yeah, good on him though for fucking yeah. uh, doing mm-hmm. the work. I yeah. mean, even if you didn't want to talk to him again, uh, it is, uh, it's an insane undertaking to admit all your faults in front of another human being, especially in real life. Yeah. You know? And good on it's you a- for being able to sit with that. Yeah. I was, um, I was like driving home. Like what the fuck just happened? Like, yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, that's, uh, there's a spiritual component to it. It's a human connection, especially when we've severed or abused human connections to the, the, the attempt at, amending the the hurt um 
I, I believe is is something if we're all interconnected in some way, shape, or form, whether you believe in a higher power or not, or just interpersonal relationships or love or whatever. It's just like there there is a spiritual maintenance. Like you're just trying to make yourself not sick inside anymore. You know, you guys really um, make me want to do twelve step. Even though maybe I would fit into the like. Might- kids of crazies or whatever and i'm i know that's not a pc term like whatever anyway um, i think that's what it should be called by the way (laughs) the koc kids of crazies but um no one's no one's here to tell you what you need but uh no i can send you a list of suggestions i would love love that because i have always been like a a self-help person and like i'm always trying something but i've never tried that yeah uh the there there's a, a multitude of 12 step programs and i mean we believe which is the whole focus of the podcast is we're just trying to give people uh, a window into what 12-step work is Mm -hmm. without having to sit in a church basement okay so without so what you said is that's the the goal like we're here for the people in 12-step programs you know that need to hear (laughs) relatable stories but but like we're more here for the people who have no idea what this world is about and Mm -hmm. that's why we don't just interview people with drug and alcohol problems we we interview people so they know that there's that that it's um you can complete uh going through something you can complete grieving you can complete you know emotional uh uh like an emotional overhaul you can you can complete you know you mm-hmm. know either steps or or recovery of any type whether it be therapy or you know emotional or physical mm-hmm. uh it, it, that it's an attainable goal is to to feel better you know i, I read somewhere that there's like 350 different 12 step organizations wow. that were all yeah so there's there is, there is something for everybody wow. out here in this world. But I think that these principles, like especially I listen, in Los Angeles, yeah, I listened to an astrology podcast. It's like wildly popular astrology podcast. And a few months ago, she was like, um, "I think we need to talk about a very twelve-step concept. Um, it's called amends." And I was like, "Girl, like, like it's everywhere. Thank you, Law and Order. You know, like it's everywhere." So you know, I, I, I'm very. Um, I'm always excited to have those conversations with people. And I'm again, I'm honored when you said you listened to the show. I was like, oh, yeah, my God. I got, I, it's one of those, like, you know, you just, like, a random thing, then you just, like, binge. Yeah, and I was, like, just binging everyone I know's episodes. Also, because I'm just curious and nosy. Nice. But, but no, I also, yeah, I well, love, like... Did I, someone say some shit? <laughs> yeah. No, but I love, like, um, I also, I, I feel frustrated when, like, people aren't open at all about stuff. Like, they're, when they're totally yeah. opaque... Like, mm-hmm. I understand, like, I don't need somebody, like, melting and telling me every horrible thing ever. But, like, I, people that are like that, I'm like, I don't know who you are, so I can't, like, I don't I don't get your vibe. I can't, like, connect with you. So Thank I, you. I love, I love it. Well, and I'm honored you. to be here. Oh. Yeah. What is, Katie, what do, is, do you have a spiritual yeah. practice that you do day to day? Like a meditation? Or uh, do you pray to the, the god of thunder? <laughs> Thor. I mean, His some, Thor. some habits are... <laughs> I mean, is he not the god of thunder? Do I do I have I I, I forgive me please, uh, uh people who listen to this podcast. Uh um, what's your spiritual practice on a day to day look like? I I wish I had a stronger one. You know, it's very funny because I know like witchiness and all that stuff is very like popular and then people are like slamming white bitches because they're like, Oh, I'm like a witch or whatever and I'm like, Okay, but I have been to an animal sacrifice and I did you know you're legit so i do feel like i have a little bit more ownership and i was raised in like a lot of that honey i've been burning i've been burning sage okay but um (laughs) 
And so at the same time, like I used to like make fun of it a lot. But then as I get older, I'm like, I mean, you can see behind me. There's like some salt lamp shit or whatever. But yes, um, I there's mine. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it's like you have to have one um, mm-hmm. to live in LA. But I. Uh, I wish I had a strong one. When I'm doing the artist's way, which is 12-step, very inspired, inspired. my understanding, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do do morning pages. Um, but the one thing I actually do do, I keep a one-sentence journal. It's like the end of the night. It's just like the one thing I want to remember from the day. Or it's just like, you know, like maybe two sentences that are like encapsulate the highlight of the day or the low light or like whatever. Um, and I have done that every night for six years. So... I love that. I'm stealing that. I love that. What trips me out about that one is that it's very easy to do because before I used to be like, I need a journal. But then you're like, do I have 45 minutes to like get into journaling and emotionally, you know, purge all this stuff. But what's cool is that when I, I have like the one sentence journal I have, it's like a proper book that comes like that. And so um, you fill out like one line and it's like one line is one year. So I'm at the end of a five year book. So I can see what I was doing on the same day, five years back. And what trips me out, which does make me think of like higher power or whatever, is like the cycles I can see. So I'll be like, sore throat, I'm sick. I've been sick on this day for the last three years. Like what's Whoa. happening? Or this thing happened and then this thing happened. Or like, you know, like I had an idea for this thing and then I wrote it and then two years it got like, it's just really crazy. So that makes me be like, whoa, that's, there's some sort of larger, interesting cosmic patterns happening um, mm-hmm. that are really cool also like just writing the one little thing it doesn't have to be this whole emotional thing literally like i'll be like walk to cvs and got you know purple glitter nail polish and then i'll like immediately remember like doing that you know Mm. um so it makes me feel like i also i don't i feel like i don't have a good memory and i feel paranoid about not remembering my life and also Mm -hmm. it's very easy to be like nothing good's ever happened to me until you write out Mm -hmm. the 50 things that have happened to you or nobody ever gives me a compliment and then you just gave me like 12 on this podcast you know um so writing that stuff out it it makes me feel like grounded that i remember my life or like moments that were really cool like happened you know so i just feel i feel quite compulsive about like recording things in my life for that reason I love that. Oh my god, I want to get that. I want to get the link to that journal from you. Oh, that that's is really cool. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Keep it in your nightstand, even if you miss a few days. Um, but doesn't matter. Filling yeah. up the years sounds is like merch true. to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Well, like, what? While you're noticing these like cosmic connections and stuff, like, what is your concept as a re- as a, we would say in the program, a lot of people say, I'm a recovering Catholic. Mm. As a recovering pagan, um, yes. <laughs> what is your concept of a higher power? <laughs> um, that is a good question. Um, I I have no sense of traditional Christianity. Yeah. Like, it's hilarious. Like, literally people are like, you know the book of, you know, no, Joe? I'm like, I don't. Girl, who's she? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know any Bible stories. <laughs> I don't know any shit. Like... I, I know people cross themselves, but I, I I feel like an alien. Like I am so far out of like Judeo-Christian society. Yeah. Um, but I also, so I have never understood the concept of like that type of like God force. But to me, truly always will be, which is kind of pagan of me, but like my dad was into like Norse gods. I'm not into those, but like truly nature is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, like it is the only God. Like, I mean, there's no yeah. other force on earth that can do it can and will destroy us all no matter how big our egos are Mm -hmm. you know so it's it's a very tangible that's a very tangible power greater than ourselves 
I, I said that that is a very Sorry. tangible oh, power greater than You gotta than redo that one. Ah. I said that yeah, is a very Sorry, tangible. Got it, got it, got it. Tangible higher power. Yes. It is a very tangible power greater than yourself. Uh, <laughs> yes. The it is. joys of podcasting yes. in a quarantine. Oh my God. Yes, that is a tangible um, higher power that I have gotten more and more interested in um that does make me feel comforted and i i i feel like a lot of people find comfort in god of like god loves me and my heart and my soul and i feel a lot of comfortable comfort in i mean nothing to this world and it will go on without me <laughs> like mm-hmm. i don't know if that's good like i honestly am just like you know we've all experienced that like you go to a mountaintop or you go into the ocean and it's like holy shit like my nothing I'm worried about even matters, you know, like in the grand scheme of things. So nature um, is the force that's comforting to me. I do also believe in like finding meaning in your pain and suffering for sure. Not in a Catholic way. I I know you guys are about guilt, but like (laughs) there's a guy, my boyfriend, I love his name's Wes Watson. He's um, there's a whole world of like prison YouTube, which is like former prisoners Mm-hmm. who are now turned motivational speakers. So this guy, mm-hmm. Wes Watson, he did 10 years in federal prison and he's crazy, but he's very much like, thank fucking God I did 10 years in the shoe and I fucking had to stab people and I killed people and I got killed. Like, he's just like, every fucking day of my life like was horrible and it was like a blessing because it taught me all these other things, you know? So I do really feel like when I have a painful situation, I really try to like lean into like, what is the lesson here? And... Mm-hmm how will this like one oftentimes it's the lesson that you keep having to learn until you learn it you know mm-hmm. which is the worst is when you're like familiar pain is the worst like when i'm like fuck i'm back here again i thought i was yes. out of this, you know yes um so i really find like meaning in suffering and i did in um in quarantine i reread um man's search for meaning have you guys ever mm. read it victor yeah. frankel he is a holocaust survivor um, and he wrote about how he survived the camps and um, the psychological. He actually was a psychologist who went into the camps and so kind of kept track of his psychological experience coming in mm-hmm. and out of it. And he talked about the two types of happiness in the camps. And one is positive happiness and one is negative happiness. Positive is I got an extra piece of bread today. And negative happiness is I was spared suffering. I didn't have to go do the morning shift in the ice this morning. So the joy of being spared suffering versus the joy of gaining something. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about how I, I find most of my happiness in negative happiness of how much gratitude I have, all the things I haven't experienced, all the pain in the world mm. that I've been spared. Um, that is like, I'm almost compulsively obsessed with that and being aware of it and feeling like grateful for that. Um, but I would like mm. to be a little bit more into positive happiness like going wanting the things i want feeling worthy of them being more you know whether that's like making more money or doing these things or like going more towards my goals as opposed to just like being grateful that i didn't experience other suffering you know so i'm really trying to um switch to positive happiness does that make sense? I don't know. I love that. <laughs> we've reached the end. Katie, we did it. we reached the we end. We did it. Step, Dave, you asked it. Dave, you asked the last question. You do it. Should I ask it five times to make sure we get the right take? <laughs> yes. 
Katie, what would you tell someone just like you listening to the podcast today? Um, that you're not crazy. <laughs> like that I, well. I have to say like, no, <laughs> no, honestly, Anna, what you said about trusting your gut and yourself mm-hmm. after being told stuff that's real is not real. Like, well, I'm gonna have to decompress with you after on that one. Cause that was like, absolutely. I know shit. there's an, yes. Yeah. I don't know if we have each other's numbers, but that oh, we needs will to happen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that one hit hard. Um, but I would wish if somebody just like me was like talking that I'd be like, you're human and you're like worthy of things and you mm-hmm. were born for like a reason, I guess. Like, I don't know. I wish I was more inspirational, but just also just don't kill people. I would say this, just be empathetic to the world. You know, mm-hmm. even the worst people, like I, I'd say 5% of the population are true demons, but everybody else is like something just went wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's usually just, you know, regular people just trying to do their best with bad coping skills, Yeah, you know? And like that, yeah, that, I mean, that's the true demons are on last podcast on the left. You know what yeah. I mean? That's where, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, there's a whole podcast for that, for where people. Are you talking about the people who host that podcast or the actual stories? Oh, no, they they're covered? gems. I the people who host that podcast well, are delightful. Uh, like an argument. But, um, yeah, no, the, uh, the like, there, yeah, there are some people where you're like, well, you were just made wrong. Um, yeah. But there's such a small, there's such a small little group of humans. Yeah. Most humans are just trying to do their best. Yeah. I love that. Katie, you've been a delight. Thank this you guys for fantastic. having me. This is really, this is really lovely. I have so much to think about and so many, I have 350 organizations <laughs> to Google. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Where can people yeah. find you? Adult children of Vikings. Yes. Adult children <laughs> of Vikings. Party bitch. of one. <laughs> if it doesn't exist, make it. That's very funny. Yes. Um, oh my God. <laughs> you can find me at katiefrench.com, at katiefrench on Instagram. I am, I am posting a lot of catwalking content, so tune in. I love it. And subscribe. I'm so excited. Smash that like button. Um, I I was so sad. I could not. I made I made a go bag for my cat. As I mentioned, can't find his harness, and I have to go pick up my meds. So I'm gonna pick up my meds and grab a cat harness because yes. they a pet store right next door, bitch. I was like, yes, we're we're going back on walks, buddy. You I think love it. you think in the apocalypse you're gonna not need to be on this leash, bitch? Get run. in there. Get him running laps. Get yes. So I love it. I love it. Dave, where can people find you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy on all the things. Awesome. And you can find me at Anna V is Fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com. Uh, and for show dates or whatever, uh, we will be hosting, uh, hopefully this comes out before that, but uh, we will actually be doing a 12-question showcase um, with the Bonfire Group. So it'll be over Zoom, and um, that will be on February 13th. So if, you, uh, enjoyed, uh, if you've enjoyed our podcast and some of the people that you've heard on it, they're all very funny um you know tickets are 10 bucks and we'll post the link on our social media you can find us at 12q pod on across all the platforms and katie how we end this podcast every time is um if nobody's told you this today we love you we love you katie that's so sweet i love you guys thank you (laughs) that's so sweet (laughs) this was great guys seriously yeah thank you and dave if nobody's told you this today we love you Yeah, we love you, Dave. No, no, I don't believe it.
Oh my God. And if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, ladies and gentlemen, we love you. Thank you so much. Love you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yes. Take care. Bye. Not just ladies and gentlemen, all the people in between. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Uh, Bye.